Thank you, Pat and Debbie. Well, good morning, church. I'm, I'm so humbled to have the opportunity to give the word this morning in this second week of our sermon series on love like Jesus, really. You know, John preached last week on love graciously. And in this second week, uh, love humbly is going to be our concentration. And here's the nice thing is that we got a word up here that's a little bit taller than me, so everybody can see that. That's great. As we're approaching this Easter Sunday, I want you to focus in on loving humbly and what that means. But before I begin, I want to take a moment and just remember that exactly one year ago to this day, my beloved earthly father, Michael Root, passed from this earth and danced into heaven to live all of eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you would think for most people that today, the anniversary of his death would be a sad day of remembrance and loss, that I wouldn't be able to come out of the house, that I wouldn't be able to focus on anything else today, but I'm telling you, not today. Today is a perfect day to rejoice and preach the Word of God to those who will hear because of our Lord Jesus saving us all. Amen? This is a perfect day to be reminded that Jesus has prepared a place for you that is so beautiful and perfect that it will blow your wildest dreams. You have nothing to fear. The world is not your home. This is not your home. For those of you listening to these words right now, you may have lost someone yourself, some way so close to you that you can barely breathe right now, that you can even move or think. You're questioning whether life can go on for you. I'm here to tell you that God is not done with you. He is not done with you yet. He has a perfect plan for your life, and it doesn't stop there. He's got a perfect eternal life already prepared for you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day to live and serve. Father, we ask that you anoint these words that you've prepared today that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear and meditate on your word. For your name is greater than any other name. We invite the Holy Spirit into this place. We are so grateful for the opportunity to worship you freely in this beautiful house of the Lord. We humbly lift up our praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Webster's Dictionary says that the word humility comes from the Latin term humilis which means low. Now, we've heard many Bible stories throughout our lives about how our Savior was born into humble beginnings. Jesus was born into a lowly manger. The champion of heaven lowered himself to this world and traded his crown of righteousness for us at the cross, and he died and rose again and is alive. He came humbly to this earth to do the will of the Father. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how do we love humbly? How do we do this? I want to start off with an example of Rolling Plains displaying how to love humbly just recently. Many of you were a part of it. Our church, schools, and community came together under one roof, for one cause, under one name as we packed meals for Ukraine. Everybody remembers that. Now just think of this. 
God just happened to free up everybody Saturday for that, right? A couple hundred people just got freed up Saturdays. I mean, have you tried to have a family gathering to get everybody at the same place, same time for dinner? Not going to happen. Everybody's got conflicting schedules. But for that Saturday, a couple hundred people just had to be freed up to pack over 70,000 meals. 70,000 meals. Let that sink in for a moment. Ruling Plains displayed how to come, connect, grow, and go humbly and serve the Lord. Come, connect, grow, and go humbly to serve the Lord. Now, don't be shocked by this. The Lord has done this before. It just so happens that God freed up everybody's day, I don't know if it was a Saturday or not, in the Bible to listen to Jesus preach and to humbly feed the 5,000. Right? Just like at Rolling Plains Church a few weeks ago, when people showed up to pack some meals, these people in the Bible showed up for the preaching and they got fed both spiritually and physically. They came and connected with our Lord and Savior. They came and connected with Jesus, and they left transformed and full. And we know they left full spiritually and physically, full bellies. Remember, there was a bunch left over. They went out humbly into the countryside, and they proclaimed what Jesus had done. Now, we know that that happened here because as people went to the countryside, back to your communities and to your homes, I started to hear the roundabout of, hey, did you guys hear about what happened to Rolling Plains? 70,000 meals, you kidding me? Who was all there? Too many to count. That's just why I love it. You can't even put a number on it. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. When you humble yourself before the Lord, you are giving him full submission over everything in your life. So listen to this. I want you to catch it. Trap it. Here it comes. Once you humble self, once you lower self, God will do the lifting. Amen? Once you humble self and once you lower self, God will do the lifting. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge, can't understand it, it surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Once you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, He will fill your heart with love. That's when the process begins. I'm here to tell you that you are in a perfect spot in your life. I saying, man, this guy is nuts. Don't laugh to yourself, okay? You are in a perfect spot in your life. You're sitting with everyone else who has fallen short of the glory of God, including up here. You're in a perfect spot. You're in great company because you are amongst Christ's blessed believers. Just think about that. If you're a believer. We are blessed to be in the house of the Lord. People that have been through many of the same things that you have, some of the same challenges, people who love you as Christ loves the church. But as we leave this place today, not all of us will leave the same. Let me tell you what I mean by this. Back in 1970, Billy Graham held many stadium revivals. Some of you remember that. Stadiums would be packed throughout the country. Thousands were saved. 
And in 1970, Billy Graham made a stop in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's at the legendary Neyland Stadium. That's the one where they tore down the goalpost this year and went through them in the river. Big win they had there, about 110,000 people. That's where the Tennessee Volunteers play. Over 100,000 people showed up and overflowed the stadium. They were even out on the sidewalks and in the roads. Now, can you imagine a stadium not just for football or for a graduation ceremony, but to hear the word being preached? Man, if you're around for that or you got to see that or are present at that, I can't even imagine. It was so popular that the President of the United States showed up, and guess who performed on the 20-yard line? Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash led worship at this time. Man, that is just awesome. I tell you all this because many people left that stadium and many stadiums transformed, but some did not. Many received Christ. Some did not. Now, many of us will leave Rolling Plains differently today. Many of you will receive that Christ humbled himself when he went to the cross in your place. He gave up his life so that you could have yours. He gave up his life so you could have yours. He exchanged his righteousness for your sin. And once you receive this revelation, you will no longer be in a prison of sin, but you will be in a prison of righteousness, his righteousness. And let that sink in. You will no longer be in a prison of sin. And it's not by your doing. It's already been done. You are now in a prison of righteousness. His righteousness. Now, some are going to say, well, Dave, I believe that Jesus died for me and he's my Savior, I, but I have to be self-righteous and perfect for God, or he's not going to bless me. He's not going to take care of my family. He's not going to watch over me. Then I say to you, I can't help you. You will be one of those who leaves here today not receiving this. For many, this message is hard to receive, but it can result in healing and health, blessings, and favor for Christ believers. Start by saying, I am righteous with God because of Jesus Christ. Say that together. I am righteous with God because of Jesus Christ. Jesus took our place at the cross. He has set the captives free. Death couldn't hold him. Where sin was great, grace superabounds. Where sin's great in your life, grace is greater. Mm. Let me say this to you. God already sees you righteous as a believer. Now, if that's conflicting with what you're hearing as you were driving in this morning, don't listen to the other stuff about the negativity, about who you are, what you're doing. He sees you righteous as a believer, okay? So, why are we so sin conscious instead of righteous conscious? Let's hear this. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. He has set you free from the law of sin and death. Man, that is powerful. Let that soak in. I can tell you why we're sin conscious instead of righteous conscious all the time. It's because it's the last stop. It's the last barrier. You ever heard that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? There were so many sinners and lost souls who received miracles and healings throughout the entire Gospels that Jesus performed. But there were some who did not receive miracles. They were the self-righteous Pharisees. You ever seen the commercial, don't end up in a roadside ditch? Don't end up in a roadside ditch. Don't be a self-righteous Pharisee. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you folks that the enemy does not want you to hear this today. 
This is spiritual boxing with the enemy, and he knows we're taking the gloves off. The knockout punch on the enemy is coming right now. This is his last resort to try to keep you as believers in bondage, and we're kicking down the prison doors today. When you start saying, I am righteous with God because of Jesus Christ, you are unlocking a prison barrier of sin consciousness and becoming righteous conscious. Once you become righteous conscious, you will realize that there's no way out of his righteousness. Amen? So in your stress, I'm not saying we got stressful people here. Everybody's, you took a load off when you came in, didn't you? I mean, the snow might have got you a little bit. In your stress, start saying, I am righteous with God because of Jesus. In your sin, start saying, I am righteous with God because of Jesus. Well, Dave, so what do you mean? Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to break these, the, this addiction to cigarettes or, you know, I can't, I can't stay away from the bottle and this and that, but, you know, and God doesn't love me. And Hey, just start saying, as you're taking that puff, I am righteous with God because of Jesus. I am righteous with God because of Jesus. And guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to start breaking those chains, people. It's going to start coming off. And soon, that pack's going to be thrown away. You're not going to have to worry about it. In your health condition, I am righteous with God because of Jesus. Let him take the wheel. Put it on him. In your frustration, I know that people get frustrated. I get frustrated every day. I'm righteous with God because of Jesus. It's because of him. It's because of him. In your job, in your parenting, in your household, in your life. If you're striving for perfection, please stop. Stop. You will fall short because you're basing your perfection on human standards. It's based on other people's opinions and expectations. Start striving for Jesus and he will give you his perfection. Boy, isn't that a lot easier? His perfection in your life. Seek him out, and he will always meet you where you are. Ask him to show you how to humbly love others. Now, did you see how in this sermon, we're already to now mentioning humbly? Because we had to start knowing that Christ is the answer to start loving humbly. You got to know how much he loves you. And then you can turn that around and it will flow out of you. Everybody's going to love differently. God may use you to pray for others and reach out, maybe through a text message, maybe through social media. God may use you to bless a needy family. Maybe you're buying them all new beds. Maybe you're buying them a new car because the other one just, well, it's parked out there and it's dead. God may use you to go and buy somebody's groceries who can't get out of the house anymore. Just take care of them, ask them what they need, take it to their house. God may use you to lead a local charity, jump into an organization and thrive and help others in need. He may ask you to jump on a plane and go to the other side of the world. I don't know about that. Hey, don't put any limits on God. There are no limitations. The opportunities are endless in God's kingdom, I'm telling you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek him first. Seek him first. Remember, humble yourselves to God. That was in James. We just, we just had that earlier. Seek him first and his righteousness. You see how the focus from, I mean, the Holy Spirit has dropped this in. The focus has been on his righteousness, not yours. That is a massive barrier to get you to transform. It's a big shift. And all of these things will be added to you. But let me just tell you right now, you know what God says about you? 
you're perfect. Oh, are you serious? Your perfection and righteousness is because of him. You're perfect in his eyes. Now, there's a difference between someone who strives for perfection, a person who's digging and clawing up the steps, and then there's somebody who knows their perfection. Catch this one. Trap it. It's like somebody fighting for victory compared to somebody who is fighting from victory. I'll repeat it. It's like somebody fighting for victory compared to somebody fighting from victory. Those are two different stances, I can tell you. I'm telling you to rest humbly in his perfection and his righteousness. Start walking a humble life in Christ that is focused on his perfection for you. Not what you think the world has in store for you. The world doesn't love you. Let's just face it. It's bad out there. If you haven't realized it, it's bad. The world wants to see you suffer. The world wants to drain your bank accounts. Wants to take away your family. Wants you to lose your career. The world wants to see that happen. And then they can thrive on it with Facebook. But God loves you more than you can ever know. He wants you to thrive. Boy, that's a big difference. It's a big difference. Just remember, the Holy Spirit humbly convicts you of your perfection and righteousness in Christ. Remember, the Holy Spirit, quietly, humbly, doesn't need to stand up here and bang, 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 and see what's going on. It's just like when the enemy wants to have destruction in the earth, wants to have destruction all around, you know, rumors of wars and bombs going off and all this loud bangs. But God is sweeping the nations quietly and humbly, and lives are being changed. That's why you're seeing revival across the world. The time is now, and it is happening. The Holy Spirit will humbly convict you of your perfection and righteousness in him. The accuser will convict you of your sin. I want to close with this. This is a neat little Billy Graham story. Once I got into a little bit of, you know, reading about Billy Graham. This is a pretty cool one. So he's flying back to North Carolina late one night uh, from one of these stadium tours that he was on. Obviously, he's probably exhausted. I mean, you can only imagine. He lands and gets out, jumps into a limo. Limo driver's going down the road there, one of those nice big stretch black limos. And he said, hey, he said, I never got to drive one of these. He said, you mind if I drive that? You know, the chauffeur's thinking, oh. I don't know. I mean, Mr. Graham, you can do whatever you want. Okay, we'll get him pulled over here. I'm going to jump in. So he jumps in. All right, starts speeding down the road. Billy just wants to let it have it. He's hammering the gas pedal. Let's see what's underneath these limousines. I've never driven one, so I don't know. Could have a big engine, could be fast. All of a sudden, he gets pulled over. Yep, state trooper gets him. Pulls over, and he walks up. Obviously, he's seeing limo black, you know, 10 all the way through. Comes up, and then the window rolls down. There's Billy. Sitting there smiling. He says, uh, well, good evening, Mr. Graham. Uh, hold on a minute. He goes back to his cruiser, radios into his boss. He says, hey, he said, we got a problem. And he said, oh, what'd you do? He said, well, he said, I, I pulled over somebody. He said, please don't tell me you pulled over the governor. No, 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 it's, it's much worse. Oh, no, you pulled over the president of the United States. I'm that's it, that's it for you. You're going to be jobless, you're done. It's not, it's not the president of the United States either. Well, who in the world is more important that you pulled over? I think I just pulled over Jesus Christ because Billy's driving the limo. 
There is a point to that. Will you humbly drive the limo for Christ in your life? Will you humbly love others as Christ loved you? I got a couple action steps, and they're scriptures. They're scriptures. Here it is, Ephesians 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to worship in your house, Lord. We thank you for humble beginnings, that Christ didn't come in born in a palace with a huge ruckus. No, Lord, he came in humble beginnings. He came in a lowly manger. But I can tell you this, that the, that the skies opened up because when the shepherds were in the fields, all of glory of heaven was shouting. They were ready to cut loose because of the birth of Christ. Heaven's champion came down in a lowly manger for us so that we could live. And he has prepared a place for us. Lord, we just thank you for that. We rejoice in our hearts. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand and worship? Altars are open for prayer.